You're listening to Local Government Insights, a podcast for state and local governments. If you're looking to optimize operations, improve services for your constituents, and maximize revenue without raising taxes, this podcast is for you. Let's get into the show. All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Local Government Insights podcast, Modernizing Government Leadership, your source and insight for local government technology. My name is Brendan Middleton, and today we're going to be speaking with Thomas Whitner, County Treasurer for Kalamazoo County, Michigan. I'm super excited to speak with Thomas as he is a newly elected treasurer with the county. And today we'll be discussing the impact of COVID-19 on Kalamazoo County in recent months, swift and responsive actions that were taken to to really minimize budget deficit amid the crisis, and and also dive into an interesting topic, uh, running an election and, and how that unfolded amidst the pandemic. Pretty unique situation here, and I'm really excited to talk about it. So first, Thomas, welcome to the show. Thanks for having. Thanks yeah, for having. Th- thanks you, thanks Brendan. It's uh, it's really great to be here. Awesome. So for those listening, uh, Thomas was recently unseated, a 13 year incumbent in a tight election that was fueled by promises of change and cultural shift that was highly sought after across the county. Um, Th- Thomas is a licensed real estate agent, an entrepreneur, and a former interactive systems and balance designer who is really making a huge impact on Kalamazoo County. Really fortunate to have him today. Um, Thomas, I'm super excited to have you on our guests where we we really use this channel to discuss many of the challenges that local government leaders are facing and and further highlight some of the best insights across the industry. So before we get started, would you mind just telling us a little bit more about Kalamazoo County itself and kind of set the stage for our discussion? Uh, sure thing. Um, I want to talk uh, a little bit about Kalamazoo County and, and some of the great things here. We were recently put on the map uh, just to call this out. Um, because Kalamazoo County is the home of Pfizer. And the uh, COVID-19 vaccination uh, effort uh, was uh, the the first approved emergency youth use vaccine uh, came right here in Kalamazoo County. Um, We're super proud of them, uh, super proud of of all the work that's been put in to to help deal with this crisis. Um, But Kalamazoo has a a strong uh, uh, pharmaceutical and medical device uh, history, um, as well as a strong representation here with with Pfizer and Stryker and and a couple other our our large uh, businesses. Um, We're also the historical home of Gibson Guitars. So for those of us who play, that's, uh, that's a great little anecdote there. The original factory is right down the road and it's apparently now been bought by the Hard Rock Cafe. And so we will have Hard Rock Cafe Kalamazoo uh, here coming up shortly. Um, the other thing that uh, I'm personally invested in uh, as, as a member of the Bells family is the best beer in the nation for years running uh, with Bells Brewery. My wife, who uh, you may hear in the background because she's working from home, yay pandemic, um, <laughs> is the microbiologist at Bells Brewery. Um, and we're really proud to, to represent Bells here, here in Kalamazoo. Uh, Kalamazoo County is a county of right around 260,000 people. Um, we have uh, over 100,000 parcels of land, which is something that uh, I'm deeply invested in as the county treasurer. Uh, and uh, our, our county government budget is right around $110 million a year. Um, so uh, that kind of gives you a, a sense of scale as uh, compared to other counties around the nation um, of sort of what we're working with here. Largest city in Kalamazoo County is the city of Kalamazoo. Um, we also are home to the city of Portage. Um, and so we've got lots of, uh, 
lots of great things to do here. Uh, lots of uh, fantastic restaurants and, and places to visit. Um, and it's just a beautiful place to live and uh, a great low cost of living place to uh, raise a family. So uh, that's that's Kalamazoo County in a nutshell. Thanks, Thomas. Really appreciate that. Uh, definitely gives us a, a a bit of a view into Kalamazoo and the makeup. And and as we transition here, first, I have to know what was it like to run an election of this magnitude amidst the pandemic? As you know, you were newly elected in the late fall of last year, early winter. What, mm -hmm. what was that like? Well, I, so I've always said that politics is about people, right? And and really, the pandemic refocused. Uh, all of our efforts on individual outreach. Um, there's a lot of concern at the very beginning of the pandemic uh, when we were just ramping up all of our campaign activity for these local races um, about safety. Uh, you know, uh, getting getting out there and talking to voters and 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 trying to win their votes doesn't matter if you get them sick. Um, and so we worked really hard uh, uh, with the party and with uh, a lot of local candidates to make sure that all of our campaign practices were keeping people uh, distant, uh, that we were maintaining proper procedures as far as uh, always being masked uh, and not gathering people into you know uh, one place, um, really working hard to change the way we campaigned. Um, and it, it did in a massive way. Uh, campaigns previously are all about events. You want to get large numbers of people in the same place so you can talk to all of them at the same time. It's the most efficient way to not only uh, spread your message, uh, but to collect donations and to really energize uh, uh, you know, your core group of, follow of, uh, of uh, voters that you know are going to turn out for you. If they turn out to, to come hear you speak, they're probably going to turn out to the polls. And so, you know, we kind of had to discard that. Um, there were not a lot of large events, uh, at least on on my side of the aisle. We worked really hard uh, to take that energy that we always put into planning and setting up and, and recruiting for those events and moved that energy into that individual outreach where we could keep everything to very small groups or individuals um, and, and really push hard on that, uh, which is a lot of words to say. I made a bunch of phone calls. Um, because you can still talk to people on the phone. So, so we ended up making, uh, tens of thousands of phone calls, um, going through, uh, volunteers and, uh, uh paid services to, to make those calls and, and to really, uh, get out there and get into voters homes, um, in a safe way. Uh, we did end up doing a lot of door knocking, um, but uh, that was always socially distant, usually through a glass door, um, always masked, always, you know, uh, making sure that we were uh, uh, not directly handing anything to anyone. If we had literature, we'd put it on the door and step away, you know, ring the doorbell and step away so that we weren't having that close contact interaction you know, keeping people safe was number one in our in our minds. And and it worked out. It worked out for Democrats uh, across the ticket. Um, uh, we also uh, found that a lot of the interactions we had because we waited, we really did wait for a long time to start those uh, direct outreach where we were actually going to people's homes. By the time we got there, we had developed the, the not only the protocols to to make sure people were safe, um, but people were excited to see us. 
because uh, they've been in their homes for a, you know, a number of months. They hadn't really seen anybody. They weren't really connected to local politics in the way that they normally would be. And so they're excited to see us and, and very thankful of the, the work that we did to make sure that they were safe. Awesome. Well, can, let's talk a little bit about your specific role and responsibilities, Thomas. Like, could you briefly describe, um, you know, what your responsibilities as the county treasurer are and what are the areas of influence that you have on the county being the county treasurer? <coughs> yeah, happy to do it. And sorry about uh, the cough. There's no uh, uh, everything in Kalamazoo County decided to bloom this week. So uh, <laughs> allergies are, are trying to kill all of us. Um, but uh, so the, the county treasurer, it, it, it's one job that wears like seven different hats. Um, and and that's really great uh, for a person like me who doesn't like to be bored. Um, but it's a bit overwhelming when I tell people everything that we do. The, the primary responsibility and the responsibility that everybody knows about uh, is the collection of delinquent taxes. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that, I think, a little bit later. But um, the the way it works is that your local unit, and when I say local unit, I mean your city or your village or your township, yeah. they're responsible for the primary collection of property taxes. So they send out your, your summer and your winter bill and they you pay them with the, a check or more likely happens. And in a lot of cases, your mortgage company pays them because your taxes are escrowed. And then at the end of the year, those come to you know, the part that goes to the county, goes to the county, and the part that stays local, stays local, the part goes to the state, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, if those taxes aren't paid, then at the end of the year, um, they get passed on to me. And so my job uh, is to collect the unpaid taxes. Um, and there's a whole tax cycle um, that ends in foreclosure uh, and management of the foreclosure process is, is also part of my job. Um, so managing the properties that fall into foreclosure and become the property of the county and then selling those at auction and getting them back onto the tax rolls so that they can be put to their highest and best use. Um, on top of that, uh, we're also the, the, the primary investment manager for the county. Um, so the Kalamazoo County has uh, right around $100 million uh, in investments um, spread throughout uh, the county and in different investment vehicles. Um, and managing those investments with some key exceptions uh, is the purview of the county treasurer. Um, so we make sure that those funds are safe uh, that they're invested responsibly and that they're uh, they grow and that we can use them to keep the county funded through the lean years which this last year has been a somewhat lean year um, yep. and uh, we can talk about that a little later but uh, uh, those investments are are pretty key to making sure that in an emergency the county is always able to provide the the necessary services to its citizens um, we also have uh, you know, primary accounting responsibilities, so any money that comes into the county, any revenues, uh, be that taxes or fees or anything else, those pass through the treasurer's office. We make sure that the, those are pro uh, properly accounted for and recorded um, and that there's no fraud or, or anything else going on. Um, so we're the primary accounting unit. Um, there's also some smaller responsibilities, and I say smaller because they're they're not something we deal with uh, every day, but they are our responsibilities, such as uh, 
the collection and uh, issuing of dog licenses. Um, not sure why that's the job of the county treasurer, but uh, <laughs> you know, I, I guess at some point in the in the past, the county treasurer wasn't at a meeting and and they were like, well, we'll just give it to them. They're not here, yeah. not here to say no. Um, but we do take care of that, and it's uh, it's something we take pride in because uh, everybody in the office loves dogs. So you know, can't you can't get away from that one. Um, I, I here in Michigan, the uh, the county treasurer, if the county has established a land bank, uh, the the treasurer is the chair of the land bank board, um, the board of directors. Uh, land banks exist to uh, temporarily hold properties and disperse uh, distressed properties, um, uh, as well as a redevelopment and community focus, um, so that. Uh, they were created after the financial crisis when counties found themselves with these massive inventories of distressed properties uh, that were lost uh, to foreclosures and had no statutory way to deal with them and didn't have the resources or the the funds to, to take care of them. And so land banks were created to uh, hold those properties and steward them back into the tax base. Um, the treasurer, because of the close cooperation between the land bank and the county, uh, is the chair of the board. Um, I don't deal with day-to-day -day operations, but sort of a strategic uh, planning and focus, as well as liaising with the board of commissioners and, and, and with um, the land bank to make sure that that cooperation is maintained. Um, and that's a general overview. Uh, we also work really hard getting uh, services to people who are in distress. So uh, if if you come into my office because you're having trouble paying your taxes, we're going to talk to you and we're going to find out why you know you're you're having trouble. And if that if that's because uh, you lost your job, we can help you apply for unemployment insurance. We understand that system. You know, we can direct you to uh, Health and Human Services, uh, to the Veterans Administration. We know about lots of community partners and programs that can help with repairs to your home or with, uh, you know, paying your utility bills, things like that. It's not direct responsibilities of the office, but it's something that we do all the time and that we we take very seriously. Um, you know, we're we're we work really hard to make sure that people stay in their homes and to make sure that the uh, the the citizens of, of the county are, are taken care of. You know, that's our primary responsibility is as well, my primary responsibility as an elected official um, and our primary responsibility is uh, as stewards and um, uh, you know, representatives of the county. Um, that's very important to us. Great. Lot, lots of roles and responsibilities, Thomas. One, one of which in particular I'd love to could dive a little deep deeper on is, is the delinquent tax responsibility, and, and more so because we're talking about the ramifications of COVID and how that had an impact on, on that piece of your, your responsibility there. Would you describe a little bit the? Would you describe the tax responsibility, the delinquent tax responsibility across the county, and kind of give us an overview of what you were dealing with, and and how COVID nineteen affected tax foreclosures? Sure thing. Um, I I I, I want to say that that the COVID nineteen pandemic has has definitely affected people and their ability to pay their taxes and and to stay on top of all of their financial responsibilities. Right, like that's. It's not just limited to your taxes that's an issue. It's rent, it's uh, food, it's gas, it's everything. Um, 
And so that that's been something that we've been dealing with uh, all through the, the the beginning part of this year. And I know my predecessor was dealing with last year as well. But uh, as far as foreclosures specifically goes, they're they're a bit of a lagging indicator. And I, I you know, I'll give you an idea of why here when I talk about the foreclosure cycle. Um, but that means that we're really not going to see the results of this for another couple of years as all of those uh the issues that were brought up by the pandemic sort of work themselves through the process. Here in Michigan, we're on a three-year foreclosure cycle. Um, so the first thing that happens uh, every year uh, in the summer and the winter, um, the summer bills go out uh, July 1st, I think. Um, they're generated July 1st and then go out into the mail uh, soon thereafter. And then the winter bills come out in um, September or October. It depends on the individual uh, municipality we're talking about. Um, but uh, those bills go out and if they're not paid on time by February 15th of the next year um, was, is the deadline, then those bills get handed over to the county treasurer. And what we do is we have a, a fund called the Delinquent Tax Revolving Fund, which is a, a set of money that is set aside um, and refilled through the delinquent tax pro process, but we use that money and it's uh, to make the local units whole. Local units provide incredibly essential services to the citizens of the county, and because of that, they have to get paid. If they don't have the money to provide services, they're not the federal government. They can't just turn on the printing presses, right? Like uh, mm -hmm. if we if we tried to print money, they have some very nice fitting orange jumpsuits for us. Um, so uh, the local units have to be made whole, and the county takes that responsibility. Um, so we cut them some, you know, we cut them checks uh, after uh, the settlement process uh, is finished, after they get their databases of delinquent taxes to us. Um, that essentially take care of the amount that they were not able to collect. And we take on the responsibility of collecting those taxes. Uh, from February 15th uh, until March 1st, those taxes are delinquent. Um, and then in March, those taxes go into what's called forfeiture. So the second year of the delinquent tax cycle is the forfeiture year. So taxes that are in forfeiture uh, begin the process of giving up the rights to the property. Um, those taxes uh, begin to accrue interest and fees, um, and we begin an aggressive noticing campaign to let taxpayers know, hey, you haven't paid your taxes. This is a problem. This is what's going on there's these fees, there's these interests, we're going to start the process of, you know, working towards foreclosure, but we want you to be fully aware of what's going on, okay? That uh, goes for a, an entire year, and then after three years of it being delinquent, so from that first year, uh, for instance, I'll talk about 2021. We foreclosed on 2018 taxes. So in 2018, those taxes were due. 2019, those taxes were passed to the county. 2020, they went into forfeiture. And then 2021, they foreclosed. So after that year of forfeiture, 
through all of our noticing. And we, I will say that the, the noticing is required by state law up to a certain level. And we notice above and beyond that level um, to try and keep people in their houses, um, which is my primary goal, right? I don't want people to foreclose if I can help it. So we yeah. do a lot of work to get in touch with people to establish uh, ways for them to get out of the foreclosure loop um, and, and try to work with them to get those taxes paid or get them help to get those taxes paid. Um, but on that third year, on April 1st, uh, if uh, the taxes that are in forfeiture are not paid, they foreclose uh, after three years of, of attempted noticing, which means that the uh, ownership of the property vests in the county treasurer's office, um, specifically in or in the foreclosing governmental unit, if we want to get very specific, because some counties don't use the treasurer, they use the state. Um, but that's only a few counties here in Michigan that that, that do that. So the, the rights of that property vest, you know, fee simple title for those of you real, realtors in the uh, in the audience, um, vest solely in the county treasurer and the county treasurer then begins the process of uh, securing those properties, maintaining those properties and getting them ready to go to auction. Um, they go to auction. Uh, they are first auctioned off for minimum bid, which is the uh, it's essentially what we spend on maintaining those um, properties, plus the taxes, interest and fees. Um, those get combined and that's the minimum bid. It's the smallest amount anyone can bid at the first auction to acquire the property. That property hopefully sells for minimum bid, which that those revenues are then used to refill that DTRF, the delinquent tax revolving fund, so that next yep. year we have the money to again make the local units whole. So uh, that's that's sort of the the short version of that process. Um, if they don't sell at that first auction, we then have a no minimum bid auction uh, later in the year where we sell them for uh, no reserve, more or less, um, which is you know. We'll take whatever we can get. Just please get these back on the tax roll. Um, and, you know, we we take a loss uh, on those properties very often, but uh, it's it's worth it to not take a loss constantly. Yep. And and I can imagine how COVID uh, affected so many's ability, mm -hmm. so many people's ability to to really pay those taxes. Mm -hmm. And I'm certain that you and your team uh, at the onset of your uh onboarding had some tough decisions to make I'm, I'm sure and i know we talked about this a little bit in our previous discussion but i'm, I'm curious um how were you able to help constituents avoid what are the, some of the ways you were able to help constituents avoid foreclosure and can you describe any resources that your team made available to kind of assist families who were faced with these unexpected challenges really Sure thing. And, and I want to brag on my team a little bit um, because really I, I work in an office. We have nine people total, in, including myself. Um, and the the eight people that I work with are all absolute rock stars. Um, they are fantastic at their jobs and I, I would not be doing mine if I didn't call out their heroic efforts um, throughout these last 15 months. Um, you know, during the COVID pandemic, working with taxpayers and, and really working to make sure we keep people in their homes. Um, and, and to that end, we did have a historic, uh, historically low number of foreclosures this year um, because of all of those efforts. 
Um, in a normal year in a county the size of Kalamazoo, we expect about 200 to 250 foreclosures. Um, like I said, we have about 100,000 parcels. So that's kind of the, the average um, when I look back at the historical numbers that you could expect. Um, my predecessor had done a lot of work to get that number down and to set us up for success. Um, and uh, this year, uh, with uh, her efforts uh, before the end of the year and then our efforts to, to, to drive it home, we managed to only foreclose on 28 parcels uh, wow. throughout the, the county. And, and I want to stress that that's not 28 homes, that's not 28 buildings, it's 28 parcels and a majority or a large number of those were vacant. Um, so they're empty lots that, that uh, people no longer wanted. Um, or homes that are not able to be occupied at all. So, uh, you know, I'm really proud of our team for all the work that they did to get that number down. As a reference, in August uh, of last year, there were uh, a little over uh, 1,100 parcels that were slated for foreclosure. And um, over the course of, of the, those months, we, we got that number down to 28. So very proud of them. As far as how we did that, um, the the best option and, and the easiest option is literally just getting people on the phone or to come into the office. Um, because if you come into the office, we can find resources. And the big one is we can set you up on a payment plan. Um, if uh, somebody comes in and they talk to me and they make a good faith effort to pay those taxes, you know, the county can float a little bit, you know, it can float quite a bit of of that money for a while, right? We have that DTRF, we have that 100 million investments, we have that, that wiggle room where I can take the time I need to get your payments in if, if, if you can do, if you'll work with me on that and make payments on a regular schedule. And, and if we're working together on it, then I can withhold that foreclosure, you know, going forward. And so yep. we did that with a lot of people. I don't have exact numbers, but it was the large majority of people are on payment plans. They are working actively because taxes, you know, they're our responsibility to our fellow citizens, right? That's why we pay taxes so That's that right. we can provide those services. And, and most people understand that and want to pay their taxes. They want to be responsible, good citizens. Um, and, and to that end, you know, some people want to do that, but they just can't um, because of hardship, because of COVID. You know, we, we had people in our office who were telling us stories and the stories will absolutely break your heart, but about, you know, they had COVID twice and they haven't worked since, you know, uh, March of last year. And it's, it's heartbreaking. Um, and so in those situations, we work with established community resources like uh, LISC or the Kalamazoo Foundation for Excellence, um, HRI, Goodwill, uh, other local nonprofits and community organizations. I will go to anybody to get help for my citizens. Absolutely. Um, and we have lists of, of resources that we can give to people. Um, and then the, the people who work in our front office are absolute wizards at figuring out what you need and getting you that help. Um, they've been doing it for years and it's something they're very passionate about. It's something I'm very proud of them for. Um, and it's something that, that, that we work really hard at. Um, one thing that we did this year, because this was a special year, um, and I've said it, I've said, if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times, but if there is ever a year for giving people grace, it was this year. Um, so, uh, when we entered the initial judgment of foreclosure in February, 
Uh, I talked to the judge and I, I said, look, you know, we're in the middle of a, a once in a century health, public health crisis. The CDC has said, you know, keeping people in their homes is an absolute priority for for making sure that we're preventing the spread of this disease. And so I want to work with, you know, the the courts to make sure that we're keeping as many people in their homes as possible. And I asked the judge to grant a blanket waiver from foreclosure for all properties that had what's called the primary residency or the homestead exemption. Uh, the judge completely agreed, said it was the right thing to do, um, and used uh, his power um, to uh, to make that happen. So shout out to uh, Judge Gigari for, for making that happen. Thank you for working with me on that. Um, so uh, no properties that were primary residence exempted foreclosed in in the year 2021. Um, we absolutely wanted to make that happen and, and we were able to. Um, because of our hard work, that only ended up being about 30, 35 properties that used that blanket exemption, people we just couldn't get in touch with. But um, it was something that, that was very important to us. Um, it protects the families, it protects local businesses, it, it protects our communities. Keeping people in their homes was a priority this year, and, and I'm really proud of us for proud of my team and, and proud of our community for making that effort. Yeah, that's an incredible story, and and thank you for sharing the details there, and and the overall process, but also the the outcomes. And I commend you and your staff on working so hard over the last uh, several quarters to uh, to make that happen. So um, thanks for sharing that, Thomas. Um, mm -hmm. I'd like to take a step back a little bit and shift and talk a little bit about the county finances as a whole. And <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, I sort of, this is sort of a blanket question on a lot of the interviews that I, I have on the show, but what shortfalls, if any, are, are is Kalamazoo facing in 2021 due to the pandemic? And can you talk about that a little bit? I can. And, and since our, our last conversation where you and I talked, I've gotten a little bit more clarification. So um, over 2020, uh, the year 2020, uh, we made a lot of emergency changes uh, to mitigate any budget shortfall. We're required in the county to have a balanced budget um, by law. Uh, and so during the year, as financial situations change, um, we do budget adjustments uh, throughout the year. And I was talking with our, our county administration uh, earlier today, actually, to, to make sure I had the updated numbers before I talked to you. Um, mm -hmm. And while we haven't completed our yearly audit of last year, so I can't tell you exactly what our revenues were compared to what we actually brought in with any specificity, I can say that the budget reductions that we made were right around $3 million. Um, so that, you know, we, we cut about $3 million out of the budget. And then for this year coming up for 2020, uh, uh, for our 2021 budget, um, the budget was kept flat. Um, so the budget adjustments made to 2020 were maintained through 2021, and we are doing budget adjustments up as we find the resources coming back to allow us to hire people back to provide uh, more hours and, and more in-person services, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, as an example of that, um, I have a job posting up right now for a, a deputy treasurer that uh, that we're hiring for that we were just able to uh, confirm that we have the revenues to do so and then uh, post that position. Um, so the office will be 10 people here shortly, but uh, we're very happy to be able to start bringing people back on. 
That's great. And and ARPA or the American Rescue Plan is is certainly going to have an impact on some of these budget shortfalls and provide some much needed assistance to local governments, really of all sizes, cities, counties, towns, parishes. And we know uh, just uh, about a week ago, a little over a week ago, mm-hmm. um, the U.S. Treasury issued more clarity regarding kind of the eligible uses for ARPA funding. Um, named a, a, about five different areas with significant flexibility across all of them, supporting public health expenditures, addressing negative impacts caused by COVID-19, investing in water sewer broadband, um, replacing lost public sector revenue, and and providing premium pay for essential workers. This is really the five areas that they provided clarity on uh, in just recent weeks. Um, how do you anticipate the ARPA uh, plan assisting the county? And, and have you guys begun requesting specific funding that you can talk about? Uh, not that I can talk about in any detail. I know that there are lots of people that are are looking at these ARPA funds and, and thinking, you know, how they can help the, the community and the county as a whole in really drastic transformative ways, which I, I think is the whole point, right? We need yep. we need the economic stimulus. We need to to make up for the losses that we've had in this last year. But I um I I can't speak to any specifics because we haven't nailed any of those down. Um, I have a couple of projects that I'm looking at at uh, getting funded, but um, I'm going to hold off on on any specifics there. Um, I know that here in Kalamazoo County, we're not going to use those to fill any recurring operating expenses. Um, mm-hmm. There is some uh, flexibility there, but but the board of commissioners made that decision uh, a little while ago that you know we're gonna we're gonna hold off on that and use it to um, really make a difference out in the community and, and and focus those funds outside of county government ourselves, um, while you know making sure that we can achieve the projects that uh, that we need to do in order to achieve the necessary economic stimulus. Um, yeah, I, I've been working with administration to make sure we're set up to receive those funds and yeah. that the process for for uh, requesting, um, you know, requesting those funds and having them paid out and, and all of that is both transparent, reliable and uh, secure. Um, so uh, definitely working hard on doing all of that. But uh, so far that the the allocations of those funds has not been decided. Yep, and I know we're still early on, and it is pretty promising to see that the Treasury issue those those eligible uses and provide a little more clarity, which I know everybody was in high anticipation of. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, it, and I, I can give you a little update. Uh, uh, all 83 county treasurers are in a uh, in a listserv of of emails, and we pass you know gossip back and forth and and answer questions for each other. And it because sure. you get 83 county treasurers in a room and ask how somebody does something, you're going to get 86 or seven answers. It, it, because we're all human, and we all you know have our our, our constitutional leeway and and all of that. Yeah. But at the same time, you know if you don't know how to do something, it's a great resource to ask. And um, so one thing that was passed around today is a, a number of counties are starting to receive those funds. So those those are those are flooding into the local municipalities and uh, local units, and um, really are going to start making some some big differences and and start lifting us back up uh, here shortly. So that's exciting to see, and uh, I'll I'll have an update for you once we decide how those get to use. We've got some time to allocate and, sure. and obligate those funds, but uh, really exciting stuff. 
Awesome. Yeah, I look forward to circling back with you in coming weeks. Um, all right. So as we round out uh, kind of our conversation today, first, I can't thank you enough for taking the time, Thomas. Really, really appreciate your time. I know this has been a learning experience for me, and we've uh, got to highlight some really awesome things that are going on in mm -hmm. Kalamazoo. But uh, lastly, as we climb out of this thing, uh, you know, widespread vaccine, you know, we're seeing people out and about, we're seeing the, uh, the risk on, you know, mask wearing, like, what is it, what does it look like in Kalamazoo County? What are you, what are you feeling there and what are you seeing out and about and how are things changing? So first off, I want to call out all of our healthcare workers and, and all of our, our pharmaceutical workers here in Kalamazoo County, especially over at Pfizer um, and at our local hospitals at, at Bronson and Borges um, for the just heroic efforts that they've made over this past year. Um, we we love you and we, we've been thinking about you this whole time and really proud to have the Pfizer vaccine coming out of Kalamazoo. Um, so had to get that out of there, you know, little yeah. hometown representation. I got, I got two shots of Pfizer in my arm, so I, I'm <laughs> happy over here. Um, but what are, you know, as, as our nightlife starts to come back online, as we start to get those community events, um, as the ARPA funds really start to take hold and, and make a big difference in our community, I think what we're focused on here in Kalamazoo County, it, it, and it, it's, you know, I'm a Democrat, so of course I got to call out. Uh, I got to call out the the president a little bit. Um, but you know, we're really looking at building back better. You know, we we have some recognized shortcomings here in Kalamazoo County, and affordable housing is one of the biggest ones. Um, but last year, uh, we passed an affordable housing millage, um, which is going to collect about six million dollars a year uh, to put towards affordable, you know, solving the problem of affordable housing in our county. Um, there isn't enough inventory. There aren't enough places in Kalamazoo County for all the people who want to live here um, and uh, uh, enough affordable places that people can actually pay for. Um, we have a relatively low cost of living, but with all of the economic disruption we've seen over the last two decades now, um, it's just made things really tough for people. And so we're going to use this time where we have the federal help, where we have the will of the people and where we're coming back stronger to really build up the county and make sure that we're addressing some of these systemic problems that have been plaguing us forever. Um, it, it's going to be it's going to be a lift. Uh, you know, I'm not going to lie. It's not going to be easy, but we all are dedicated to do it. You know, on both sides of the aisle here in Kalamazoo County, we recognize that these are problems and we're pushing the same ball up the same hill. Um, and I'm really proud of us here here in the county for that. I'm really proud that we're able to to focus on these issues and, and get them done. We may have different ideas about how we get stuff done. We're, we're, we're human, right? That's going to happen. But we all know what the problems are. And we're going to work on the solutions and, and get it done for the people of Kalamazoo County. Um, and I'm hoping that now that we're all starting to come out of our out of our, our shells and out of our, our, our homes and, and able to really start participating in, in community life again, that people who maybe haven't been as participatory in those events, in coming out to meet their neighbors, in getting into these, you know, come, going to our local museums. We have some great ones in uh, coming to the amazing community events that happen downtown and across the county. I'm hoping that people take the opportunity um, because participating in the community life is something that I think we all realized we really missed uh, yeah. right around uh, that that August, uh, November timeframe. And, um, you know, it's uh, 
it's something that I'm looking forward to getting back into, and uh, I'm I'm hoping that uh, every all 260,000 of us here in Kalamazoo County feel the same. Excellent, Thomas. Thanks for sharing your story, and and thanks for all you're doing and the difference that you're making. And we wish you the best of luck uh, into the the coming weeks. Uh, look forward to getting that update uh, yeah. on the ARP planning. And I'll, I'll definitely circle back with you, but I really appreciate your time first and foremost, and thanks for all you're doing and sharing your story with us in detail. Um, I think it's it's going to be super valuable for for all those listening. But for all the listeners, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Local Government Insights Podcast. Uh, please stay tuned for more local government news and insights to come. We look forward to having you next time. Thanks again, Thomas. Thank you, Brennan. It's been great. You've been listening to Local Government Insights, modernizing government leadership. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars that you think the podcast deserves. Until next time.